Before we begin tonight, I wanted uh, several of you have handed me uh, these Celebrate Recovery envelopes or just checks if you couldn't find an envelope, and that's fine. If you have one of those, you're more than welcome to hand it to me as I don't believe the Martins are here this evening, so I'll be happy to take those and forward them along to the correct place. Thank you for being here tonight, and as we uh, progress through our journey with John, and we are thinking about tonight in particular, John chapter 10, I'll invite you to turn there. As we enter into and think about a picture that Jesus uses of himself. Now these, uh, these, these I am statements uh, that Jesus has gone through, uh, I am the bread of life, uh, I am the light of the world, I am the gate, and I am the shepherd. Now, if you weren't here last week, I'll tell you that the uh, talking about the gate or the door is referring to the, the sheep gate or the, the door to the sheep pen. And so these two metaphors that he's used here are, are connected. And uh, so it's very important for us to understand that. But tonight we're going to talk about Jesus as the good shepherd, one of the most beautiful, poignant, powerful pictures of Christ is of the shepherd. And uh, hopefully in our study tonight, we'll understand that a little more deeply and have a greater appreciation as sheep. If you're in John chapter 10, you're going to be in verse 11, which is where we're going to start as we think about the shepherd and what he does for us. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. And so when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man, the hired hand, runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I laid down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is a demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? The Savior was predicted to be a shepherd of God's people. That was not a metaphor that was new to them. In fact, uh, last week we talked about Ezekiel and, and God's chastisement of the spiritual leaders, the shepherds, if you will. God said, you have abdicated your responsibility. Your, your responsibility was for the sheep and you forgot about them. You were, you're only after your own selfish, self-willed interests. But as the, the pictures of the coming Messiah, before he actually came, as they come to be, several of them point to a shepherd. Micah, chapter 5. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler 
who will shepherd my people Israel. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. You think about when he came on the scene in Luke chapter 2, one account of that, that was his birth was not accidentally revealed first to shepherds watching their flocks. Now, Jesus, when he says he's the good shepherd, is not just saying he's a shepherd or just any shepherd. The, the, the descriptor there, good, is the Greek word kalos. Uh, kalos is to be good not just in the sense of moral uprightness, but it's sort of an all-encompassing word. It's good, beautiful, magnificent, attractive, to be excellent on all levels. Sometimes you may hear described, you know, oh, that guy's good. He's good. What they're saying there is beyond just maybe good at his job or good at the area of his, in his field, he's good all the way around. Many years ago, um, this would be back in the 90s, forgive me for those of you who can't relate, um, there was sort of a phrase, you were all that in a bag of chips. Uh, Christy used that phrase of me often. Um, it wasn't a joke. This is what Jesus is saying. I'm the good shepherd. Now, if he weren't the good shepherd, this would be uh, the height of arrogance. This would be the height of, of ego. But because of what he's saying is true, he's, he's not just, he's, he's not bragging. He's stating a fact. He's saying that he's good, not just in moral superiority. He's good in, in saying he's excellent on all levels. He's not like the selfish shepherds that Ezekiel prophesied to, uh, nor is he like the blind Pharisees and the teachers of his day. Uh, he exceeds other good shepherds that we've known. By the way, you know, Jesus is not the first good shepherd. Abraham would probably have been called a good shepherd. He was good. He was he had been blessed by the Lord. He was faithful to the Lord. David was a faithful, good shepherd. Uh, Moses shepherded for a time, and I have no doubt that was to learn the art of leading a nation. Uh, probably a lot of similarities to trying to herd sheep. Jesus says effectively, you've known shepherds, some who were less than optimal. You've known some good shepherds. You've known some, some men who strive to do what was right, who sought the Lord with all their heart. But I'm the good shepherd, the one ex- who is... Exceeding and excellent on all levels. I'm different. He is preeminently excellent above all who would, call, who would use the term good. So tonight, I want to briefly talk about what makes Jesus good. What makes this shepherd so good. First is, he risks himself for the sheep. He says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. When you... Understand, and, and probably if you don't understand firsthand, it's not easy to, hard to imagine a shepherd risking himself, giving up himself, uh, as on a daily basis he looked out after the flock. Uh, he was entrusted to care for those sheep. He was to look after them in sickness, to keep them from danger, to prevent loss. Uh, certainly to keep them from, from death or for those men or beasts who would lead them to their death. All of that fell to the shepherd. That was his responsibility. So he cared 
He protected. He watched. He nurtured. He counted. He provided. That's what a shepherd did. On a very simple level, each day as he took that flock into the the pasture to find uh, the waters, to find the grass, to lead them where they needed to go, it meant the shepherd laying down his own self on behalf of the sheep. It was dangerous work. You probably remember the story of when David was selected to become king. And before he was selected to become king, as he, as he was just a shepherd, uh, there was this battle that we know of, of he and Goliath. Just a little boy, David. Only a little boy. And so he has to convince Saul that he's, he's not just a boy. He looks like a boy, but, he, but he's really he's done some dangerous work. And so what he does to prove himself is he accounts his work as a shepherd. In 1 Samuel 17, here's what he says. Now keep in mind, he's facing a, a, a nine-foot-tall giant, a Philistine that the very best warriors of Israel, they, when they saw this guy, they said, not, not going to enter that fight. You know, I fold. You know, I'm going to step back. So here's what he says to Saul. 1 Samuel 17:34. Your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. I I just couldn't find a good picture of of a really ripped shepherd. That's why I feel like the the artwork on I Am the Good Shepherd sort of fails to, to see exactly what a shepherd did. This was hard work with animals, no less. And many times the danger that he would find himself in as a shepherd meant that he was, he was between the sheep and the bear, the sheep and the lion, sheep and the wolf. He was the last hope that the sheep had. And so when he says he lays down his life for the sheep, in one sense it meant going out of his way and going, getting out of his comfort zone and doing things which were difficult and hard. But in another sense it was very real what shepherds did. They put himself between certain death and the sheep. He knowingly took the risk. Zechariah chapter 13 says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And Jesus knew that was coming. When he said, I'm the good shepherd, he understood that from an enemy's, from from a combat perspective, if you want to go after uh, the army, if you want to go after, you know, if if the Satan is a, a roaring lion and he's seeking the sheep, who's he got to take out? He must take out the shepherd. He's going to allow himself to be struck so that we are not. Why does he do that? Obligation? Duty, some might say. Jesus said it was greater than that. It was more than that. In in back to John, you know, he'll say it later and we'll talk about this. He says, Greater has no greater love has no one than this. And that he laid down his life for his friends. The shepherd didn't didn't just see uh, his disciples and the apostles and those who would follow him just as sheep. 
He walked with them. He led them. He loved them. He saw them as friends. Jesus, you see, is our good shepherd, rescued us. From the moment of the garden, when we were when we were attacked, he went after us. He sought us. He went after the lion that would seek to destroy us at Golgotha. And he rescued us from his mouth on resurrection morning. He risked us himself for the sheep because he loves the sheep. And he can only do that, which leads us to our second point, if he knows the sheep. Jesus said, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. In Matthew's account, we're told that he had compassion on his brothers of Israel. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. It was chaos. They named that they're their shepherds, if you will, their leaders, the teachers, the Pharisees. They knew that they weren't good, but they were the only ones that they had. They knew something was different about Jesus, and Jesus knew them, knew their hearts. Jesus also didn't just love his Jewish brothers, but he also loved those of another pen, not of this sheep pen, the Gentiles. And that was something that they couldn't comprehend, but that, that we are almost take for granted. That we've been brought into a pen that formerly we couldn't have a part of unless we were born of the right heritage and the right lineage. But because of Jesus and because of the new covenant, he reached out beyond just that pen. I thought John MacArthur had something interesting about the perspective of a shepherd and knowing his sheep. He, he writes this, At night... The sheep would go in and the shepherd would drop his rod and stop every sheep, every one, one at a time. And he would check them over from head to tail for any kind of wound, any kind of problem. And then all seeming right, he would lift the staff and let them go into the pen. In the morning, he'd call them all by name. And they had to pass by him into his care. The shepherd was the door. Jesus is saying this shepherd, this faithful shepherd, this is how shepherding should be done and ultimately is done under Christ. In Proverbs 27, 23, there's a, a kind of a proverb that, well, it, it's just sort of odd. It sticks out. Proverbs 27, 23, it says, Know well, know well the condition of your flocks, and give attention to your herds. And there's a lot of ways certainly to apply that. But I think the basic concept is to be an effective leader, you have to know those you lead. To be an effective businessman, you have to understand the business and your employees and your team members. To be an effective family leader, you have to be spending time with your children, with your wife or your husband. You have to know well the condition of your flocks and your herds. Some people try to lead by just, I just want somebody else to do it. And that won't end up going well. So a good shepherd knows the condition of his flocks and pays attention to the herd. And so he knows us. Which is a beautiful thought when you consider that he knows you, Peggy Wilson. He, he knows you. He, he knows the thought that you have first thing in the morning. He knows the thoughts that you're thinking throughout the day. 
He knows the words that you say. He understands your heart. He knows you, Dan Shady. He knows you. He knows as you go to work and as you get down and as you rise up. He knows your comings and your goings. He knows you, Cindy. He knows you. And in my mind, I just have that wonderful picture as we spend time with him. It's not just pouring out of ourselves, but it's him knowing us, inspecting us, looking over, not for fault, not for something to guilt us with, but to say, how are the condition of my sheep? Remember what he said to Peter? Do you love me? And feed my sheep. Now, three times he asked him that. And I think the more I think about that, I realize that it wasn't, of course he loved Peter, but he knew what a, a wonderful role that Peter was going to play in the church. And he wanted him to make sure that he loved his sheep as much, that Peter loved his sheep as much as he, Jesus, loved them. So he knows us. But the, the question is, I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to. Does, does he know you? Do you know him? In Matthew 25, Jesus describes the judgment day for himself. And we'll get to this in a little bit later uh, part of the sermon. But he says there, in part, that there are people on judgment day who are going to be very surprised. Because they did a lot of good things. They were involved in a lot of good works. They were, they were you know, felt like in every way they knew Jesus. But on judgment day, his... Penetrating question, or maybe statement, is away from me. I never knew you. I didn't know you. It's important that he knows us, that we allow him to know us. Later in John chapter 14, he says, Whoever has my commands, this verse 21, and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So because he loves us, he can do this final thing, and that is he will unite his flock. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. I'm told by Scotty Decker that this was kind of an interesting, he, he's done this personally firsthand, so you can talk to him about it. But he said he's watched as uh, several herds, several flocks were put into one pen. And the shepherd would call his flock. And because the sheep knew his voice, they would begin to come toward the shepherd. Because they knew his voice. You see, the other sheep didn't come to that shepherd because that shepherd didn't, wasn't their shepherd. And I think that's a, a wonderful lesson for us to remember. We have to know his voice. It's easy to complain about God being silent. But you have no right to complain that God is silent if your Bible remains closed. Because you're not listening to his voice. You're not paying attention to what he's saying. So know his voice. When you listen, when you, when you read his words, his love letter, his instructions to you, you're allowing yourself to be united and to grow and to mature. 
and to let him to be your to let him be your shepherd. The sheep trust the heart of the shepherd. They they have gone out enough times with him that they know, they believe that no matter what happens, if the shepherd's there, everything's going to be okay. If they just listen to his instructions, if they go when he says sheep come and sheep go, sheep pasture, they know that they can trust him. You know this psalm well. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, the the man writing that was a shepherd himself. What a wonderful thing that he understood that as his role as a shepherd, he saw God that way. And he trusted in the heart of his shepherd. May we not forget that he unites us. So he risks his life for us. He lays it down because he loves us. And he does that because he knows us. Not just the good and the bad, but even the ugly. And and so he knows our need. He lays down his life because he knows us. And he knows what we need. And once we follow him and trust him and do what he says to do, and then we can be united in the flock. So... We finish with this. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. May I humbly ask, so what? I don't doubt that a Sunday night crowd, very few of you walked in thinking, Jesus is not my shepherd. Mm-mm. I doubt very few of people walked in. May we learn a few lessons. Number one, you got to listen to your shepherd. The sheep puts himself or herself in greatest danger when he fails to listen and trust the shepherd. The sheep wants to go over here to this pasture. The shepherd understands that wolves lay in wait over there. The sheep wants to go over to these waters. The shepherd understands that's just a mirage. And by the time you get there, you'll be so worn out, you'll die. The shepherd knows what's in the best interest of the sheep, so listen to the shepherd. And trust your shepherd. Trust in the Lord in all your ways and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make the path straight. That's an easy verse to memorize. That can be hard when you leave the doctor's office with bad news. That can be hard when you get a pink slip. That can be hard when your children don't do as you would hope that they would have done. But trust the shepherd. He's in control. He knows what you need. And thirdly, may we follow the shepherd. May we, I think I mentioned this last week, but eastern shepherds lead from the front, so the sheep follow them. And that's important for us to do as well. May we do as Jesus did. May we do as those who followed him. In 1 Corinthians 11 
Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. We must follow him and do as he did, live according to his word. All right, I want to finish with one final admonition from Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Now, to do this, I need to step out of the pulpit and just ask Chris, will you come here? Just stand right there. Would you please go to the right? Okay. Now, you see, Chris's right is my left. Okay. So when I say, Chris, come to my right, there you go. This is an important point that Jesus makes clear in Matthew 25. When he separates the sheep and the goats... He's going to place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And I think it's important that we understand that sometimes what we think is, step back to the right, this will help her. What we think is right is not right at all. The orientation must be toward the shepherd. So may we as sheep, come here. may we as sheep, turn around. Orient ourselves to the shepherd's right. May we live and act and worship and talk and treat other people in a way that's consistent with the sheep who are on the right. The shepherd's right, not our right. May we understand that? Thanks for sitting down. Thanks for sitting down. I guess he's going to go ahead and do that anyway. Thanks for your help. May we know the shepherd enough to know the difference of which is his right and which is our right. He will be our eternal shepherd. We'll close with this. Revelation 7 says, For the Lamb will be in the midst of the throne, will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He wasn't just a shepherd then. And he's not just a shepherd now, but he'll be a shepherd through all eternity. And it's our desire to be reunited with him, to be guided by, to his springs of living water, and to let him wipe away every tear. Tonight, if you do not know the shepherd, I want to bid you come. At the, uh, we're going to have just an invitation song here in just a moment. And you can come forward if you'd like to be in the flock of Jesus. If you'd like to enter through the waters, uh, then you can begin following Jesus, following the shepherd for the rest of your life. Maybe you're here. Maybe you've done that at one time or another, but you have wandered. You have strayed from the flock. You have strayed from the good shepherd. And you'd like to um, repent. You'd like for encouragement. You need us to pray with you and for you. We'll be glad to do that, too. Whatever your need might be, please meet me down front as together we stand and sing.